0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the October 22nd, 2021 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's get right to it. The Douglas County School District and a group of parents are suing Douglas County's new health department over an order that allows parents to get an exemption from mask requirements. The parents say the exemption option is forcing their children, some with disabilities, to face unnecessary health risks, which violates their children's civil rights under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Meanwhile, Adams County announced they will also be leaving the Tri-County Health Department after Dulles County's exit, all but ensuring the dissolution of Tri-County Health. Patty Calhoun from Westward, uh, we start with you. It feels like this. Uh, attorneys specializing in mask mandates have become a cottage industry in Douglas County. Uh, you have, uh, first of all, it was the, uh, the, the school district facing the order from Tri-County. Then the county commissioners got involved. Now the, the school district is fighting back. Uh, what do you think is going to be next for what we're seeing down there?
1: Well, probably Dennis Prager will come to a fundraiser for Heidi Genal. I mean, that was the amazing story this week that Dennis Prager, the talk show host who thought it would be nice to get COVID so he could become immune, went to a Heidi Ganahl's fundraiser. and and didn't tell people that, as it turned out, he had COVID, so that's about the only thing that is missing from this circus in Douglas County. This has been going on in Douglas County for what, 16 months now, with the commissioners wanting to pull away from Tri-County because Tri-County had the audacity to tell them what the county should do in order to keep COVID back. Um, John Douglas, who's the head of Tri-County, has done a really great job, I think. He's been very clear, he's worked with the board, It's a shame that Douglas County decided to pull out, that Adams County is now deciding to pull out. They'll find out just as Jefferson County did. It's not that easy to start it up again. They've got 400 employees at Tri-County. So this is just the latest with the schools, but that the schools wanted to have masks to keep children safe, and now they've got to sue for it.
0: David Copel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. I personally haven't heard this particular legal angle before with the American yeah. Disabilities uh, Act. So uh, as our esteemed lawyer at the table, uh, not to predict the outcome of a, a lawsuit, but have you seen this angle uh, used yet?
2: Yes, and it, it's related to uh, the, an angle the, the Biden Department of Justice is, is trying to use against uh, Texas and Florida for their, their statewide rules uh, against local School mask mandates. Uh, I've, I've represented plaintiffs in Americans with Disabilities Act cases, and I'd say this is not an impossible case to win, but there's a lot of challenges on the way. You, you can start with the point that they say, yes, our, our children have particular disabilities, relevant here, they might be immunocompromised, and so not forcing everybody else to wear a mask raises the risks to them. If you say that's enough for a winning case, then it would also mean. Under the Americans with Disabilities Act, that every school district in the country has to have a mask mandate for the same reason, because every district has kids with immu- immune system disabilities, and you'd likewise say have to say that every business, at least one that's open to the public, has to have mask mandates for the exact same reason, because people with immuno-disabilities, uh are are everywhere. But we. A few weeks ago on the show we looked at a, uh, talked about a study from the colorado department of health that said the difference in infection rates between schools with mask mandates and without by the health department's statistics was at most one in two thousand students and yet the risk of having uh, getting covid even at schools with the mask mandates is way higher than one in two thousand so take this case to its logical conclusion having in-person learning at all is a violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And the thing is you can just as well flip this and say that mask mandates violate the Americans with Disabilities Act because there is a mountain of evidence that students with certain learning disabilities, uh, like Down syndrome or many many others, greatly benefit from being able to see people's face move uh, as they learn how to talk and read and uh, interact with people appropriately. Eric
0: Sonderman, uh, a longtime political analyst here on PBS 12 and a columnist for the Denver Gazette and Colorado Politics. It seems to me that now, uh, with the dissolution of Tri County, taxpayers in Adams County, in Douglas County, and Arapahoe County are about to face a, uh, maybe not sticker shock, but a, a far greater uh, responsibility than they did last year. Is that going to play even to greater political ramifications down the road?
3: Oh, it will be one piece, Dominic, of this whole issue uh, that you know people will use, people who oppose the breakup of uh, Tri-County Health. I think as we speak, uh, some graphic designers out there are trying to change the logo from Tri-County Health to One-County Health. <laughs> uh, but uh, we'll see how that goes, and they'll all, they'll all need new branding uh, here at some point. Um, Patty largely spoke for me here. I think what is missing from this whole debate and what is missing from so much of life, whether it is about COVID or broader life in this country at the moment, are sort of the twin virtues of common sense and basic courtesy. I mean, if you have an immunocompromised kid in your class, not somewhere distant in the school building, but in your class that is sitting next to your little junior or or two seats away from your little junior, maybe you can indulge that kid and have your child wear a mask. for a while i mean so much of this has become regulatory litigious and politically polarized just like everything else in this society we all run to our corners we all put on our tribal hats that that is life right now and COVID is only instead of bringing people together it has only magnified uh the divide hopefully there's some good news out there which is We now are on the cusp of having vaccines for 5 to 11-year-olds. So hopefully as those vaccines roll out, and I think they will roll out pretty quickly, and yes, there will be controversy about those vaccines, and there will be people who refuse to have their kids take the vaccines, but hopefully that will take some edge off of this issue and at least limits, uh, limits its applicability.
0: Rounding up the panel, Omar Montgomery joining us from the NAACP Aurora chapter. It's great to have you back, Omar. Thank you. Uh, this is impacting Aurora pretty big. Aurora makes, is in, in three counties, but yep. mostly in Adams and Arapahoe County. Uh, so this is going to impact Aurorans, uh, if that's your, the appropriate word for plural yeah. people who <laughs> live in Aurora, uh, a, a great deal. What do you think?
4: A couple of things. One, isn't Halloween about to happen? And these same people that are saying they're anti masks, gonna be buying kids, gonna be buying Michael Myers masks, and all this other stuff. Just just, just wanted to put that out there. (laughs) With that stated, I think for the city of Aurora, um, they're gonna have to have some serious conversations. Because we have to remember, there's a part of Aurora that's also a little bit of Douglas County. Mm -hmm. So we actually have representation in all three counties. I don't want to say what they should do, but what I am saying is that um, the city of Aurora, I think, is the largest metropolitan that makes up Arapahoe County right now, and they're going to have to decide how they want to move forward. Um, what are some of the options on the table? Do they become their own county? Mm-hmm. That's, all, that's been talked about for a while, or do the other smaller municipalities within there join with Aurora and figure out, how do we make um, a health some type of health administration that fits for what we have and what we do. But I will say this also. It's not just the kid that's sitting next to the kid that's unmasked. It's also when that kid goes home and has to interact with the grandparent or interact with other people that sometimes don't don't get brought out in these statistics. So I think um, we got to use common sense considering our beds right now in hospitals are filled to capacity. We could do better as a state. Well, that's a, a wonderful segue to our next. And I'm sure
0: wonderful. It's not a wonderful topic, but a great segue provided by Omar. Colorado COVID hospitalizations continue to rise and have now reached levels as high as they were in April of 2020. 79% of hospitalizations are those who are unvaccinated with an average age of 73 years old. But the numbers didn't stop radio host Dennis Prager from his efforts to purposely contract the virus when he was in Colorado last week, saying he was seeking natural immunity. Prager tests a positive days after attending a campaign event for Republican gubernatorial candidate Heidi Gnall, as previously reported by our friend Peta Calhoun. Uh, David, we start with you on this one. Uh, Governor Polis has wanted to avoid anything statewide mandate at all. While that was the order of 2020, he's wanted to avoid it. Will he continue to be able to do so?
2: I, I think Probably yes, because I, I, ICUs are, are built to be not at full capacity, but to be close to capacity, you know, 70%, 70% at least mo- most of the time. Personally, I got I got vaccinated as soon as I could, and I'm going to get the booster as soon as I can. And the risks of non-vaccination for people who do get infected, uh, good, I hope Dennis Prager turns out fine. I know, I know a young woman in her 20s who spent many weeks in the ICU, some of it in a medically induced coma, most of it with a ventilator tube stuck down her throat. You know, she wasn't obese, not diabetic, none of those things, so you can have really harsh consequences even if they're not fatal and even if you don't have pre-existing risks. On the other hand, I also know an elderly woman who died of the COVID vaccine. Now, maybe that was medical error because she had an immediate allergic reaction and they shouldn't have sent her home from the hospital so fast. So on both sides, there's risks. But the, if you don't have natural immunity, the risks and benefits, the data show, are overwhelmingly in favor of getting the vaccine. And I understand people are tired of being lied to by Fauci and bullied by Biden and all this stuff. And so they naturally push back. What I'd suggest is, go talk to some medical professional like your doctor who you trust for a fair assessment of the risks and benefits. And I think you'll find the benefits are tend to be pretty heavily on the side of getting the vaccine.
0: Eric, we can get into a lot of the COVID side. When I read this part with Heidi Kennall, it just seemed... She cannot catch a break. She, uh, by just referencing she was going to announce to run for governor, from that point, there seems to be a stumbling block in front of this, uh, this gate that she keeps running into. Is she going to be able to recover from this since we are still so far away from the election?
3: Oh, yeah, she can recover, but first impressions matter. Uh, as I commented on social media, as you know, Dominic, my wife, and I have been gone for a few weeks traveling, finally, uh, after this long interim. And we left town to Heidi Ganahl's announcement where she dodged and was unwilling or unable, probably plenty able, just unwilling, to answer a basic question about whether our elections are properly and securely run in Colorado. And then we came home a few weeks later to this weird story about Dennis Prager, which I don't think really had anything to do with Heidi Ganahl in terms of she didn't have any pre-knowledge. She wasn't intending to hold a super spreader event. But, as I said, first impressions matter, and the early impressions out of Heidi Ganahl's campaign are not positive ones. They're not ones that give somebody a sense of competence, com- confidence, confidence, uh, everything else you need. To beat Jared Polis is a... Very heavy lift. It might be an impossible list, lift, but it is a very heavy lift. You're going to have to run a flawless campaign. You're going to have to get a couple breaks along the way, and you're going to have to be bold. You cannot just paint by the numbers and pull this off. Republicans in the state are in far too big a hole. The, Heidi Gannahl has the abilities. I, she's somebody that uh, a decent human being with a compelling life story, a good message, experience. Plenty of supporters in the right places. But man, this is not an auspicious start.
0: Omar, are you seeing enough uh, being done in the community to react to the rates that we're seeing?
4: That's a tough question. And because on one end, I do support people's rights to make their own decisions. But when you see 70% of the people that are filling the hospital beds are people that are unvaccinated, to go back to a common theme that's been said upon the panel. What is common sense? Mm -hmm. And I think Governor Polis has done a good job in saying, hey, for the most part, I want to give you choice. I don't want to give you all these mandates. I don't want to step on your civil rights, human rights or whatever. But at the same time, can you look in the mirror and see that there are people that are dying? There are people in these hospital beds that don't know if they're going to see tomorrow. So in some cases, sometimes I want him to just say, hey, you know what? This is mandated. But then on the other side, I do believe in choice. So I'm conflicted as well. But I hope people just say, hey, either get the vaccine or wear a mask, do something. Let's protect our fellow neighbor and be good stewards of our health.
0: Patty, is talking. you talked about the head of Tri-County. One of the problems he had to run into is because the state mandates went away. So then it came down to the counties and then health departments, things like that. Do you think Governor Pulse is going to face more pressure?
1: Well, they're talking about it right now just because you've, if you've heard his last two press conferences, yesterday, you know, he is talking about the dire shortage of beds and how bad it could get because the numbers are going up for hospitalizations. You know, there are 120 ICU beds now. Last week, there were 132. So they 're disappearing pretty quickly La- the week before he said, "Go and if, you know if you 're being feeling peer pressure from your family that doesn 't believe in vaccinations, just go and get it secretly. I mean he is doing everything he possibly <laughs> can while still letting people have a choice without do- issuing a mandate and he doesn 't want to he doesn 't want to do business mandates. leaving it to the counties wasn 't necessarily a bad idea because this is not a one size fits all situation as we discovered with the many different levels and colors and everything else but No situation is ever going to really fit Douglas County, as I said. This came out before the mandates that they were already on the rampage
0: be kind of odd to think that the is you know, promoting you know, vaccinations on the down low. It's, it's the season. Who knows what's going to happen. Denver ballot measure 303 might face changes even though it's already on the ballot. The Denver city attorney is suing the head of the Denver Republican Party in an effort to remove a piece of the measure that will require the city to displace tent camps within 72 hours or face a lawsuit from citizens. The attorney says the ordinance violates, or I guess in this case would violate the city's right to determine whether or not to enforce a law. Eric, uh, just when we thought, you know, we have plenty of circus acts coming from Douglas County, but Denver County didn't want to th- th- be forgotten here. So what do you think of the recent things we're hearing here?
3: Oh, Denver County is stepping in in numerous ways. Even before I get to the topic, we're back <laughs> into the bonuses for city employees to get the vaccine, with so many other people got uh, you know, out of civic duty or personal protection without a financial incentive. On this one, I commented in a column uh, six weeks ago or something about the Denver ballot that, This Proposition 303 could be the sleeper issue on the ballot. I think it has turned into that. I think the reason Denver City Attorney's Office filed this lawsuit is that they are anticipating, or at least they're scared, that it will pass. I think, you know, the last time we had a camping ban on the ballot was two years ago. Last I looked, it passed by approximately an 80 percent, 80 to 20 margin. Uh, All we've had since is pop-up encampments after pop-up encampments. Voters are frustrated. 303 gives voters an opportunity to express their frustration. I'm not an attorney. I'm much less an esteemed attorney on this panel. I'll (laughs) leave that one uh, to David to comment on the lawsuit itself. But it strikes me as weird in two ways. Number one, that you would file it before the thing has passed, preemptively. And secondly, that the claim is that you, the voters of Denver shouldn't be able to tell us which laws to enforce. Well, I thought the voters were sort of the ultimate authority around here, and it strikes me as a weird argument Denver is making.
0: Omar, do you think that whatever is going to go down in Denver with the vote and with this lawsuit might eventually get to other big urban areas, including Aurora? This is not a problem that just stops at the Denver city limits.
4: Well, I mean, you, you had Mayor Kaufman sort of try to put a camping ban in front of the city council a couple of times that it didn't go through, and there is frustration. But at the same time, if you're going to put a camping ban or if you're going to put a time limit on when people should be off the streets, then put a time limit on affordable, attainable housing, and then make that mandatory as well. Part of the reasons why is that housing, we're going up, they said the, by the end of this year, the average house may be about, Five hundred or $600,000. Rent is about $2,200. Some of the people that are homeless or unhoused are the working people who are homeless and unhoused. So if you're going to put this out there, then force yourself to have affordable and attainable housing so that people can live with dignity. That's a great point, Omar.
0: Patty, you're right in the thick of it as uh, one of our favorite Denver voters. Homeless Denver voter. (laughs) Um, this, This
1: 303 has two parts. One is it would limit the number of safe camping sites allowed in the city. And these are the safe camping sites that we've seen that have been very successful. Whether or not they are cost effective is one issue, but they have been very successful in different parts of town. This would limit it to four. And the city was just going to put more money towards it. They've been on private property so far, church property, Regis University, so that would limit it. That's 303. That's not part of this challenge though. The challenge actually runs afoul of another issue too which is there was a class action suit filed about the sweeps back in October a year ago and the judge came through. There's a restraining order that says the city has to give an encampment seven days before they sweep it. Now, this is temporary, but it's been extended. So if this passes, the city will be in violation of the court order if they indeed sweep within 72 hours. So I don't know why the Democratic, uh, the head of the Republican Party in Denver didn't figure that out. He could have just put it at seven week, seven days, so it would have fit with the federal court order.
0: Let's get a quick take on this last topic. The Colorado Department of uh, uh, Trans... I'm, I'm sorry, I, sorry, David. I'm sitting here cutting you off. I didn't even give you a chance. My apologies. I knew
2: you were afraid of what I was
0: going to say. it was all part of a scheme. This is yeah. detailed in uh, the uh, Illuminati uh, newsletter yeah. available at DIA. David, your take on uh, what we are seeing Uh, with this uh, uh, upcoming lawsuit. The,
2: The courts have said that the citizen right of initiative is for legislative matters and not administrative matters. So if you don't like that the city is selling some land to a developer, that's an administrative thing. You can't have an initiative about that. So similar argument here, but I would say, which might succeed, on the other hand, this is something that creates a new law, creating a right of citizens to sue when there is law enforcement malfeasance, which is kind of the same thing that the legislature passed in 2020 in a different, involving different types of legislative of law, creating a right of suit for law enforcement malfeasance. So maybe, it's, maybe it really is a legislative uh, initiative after all.
0: Now we can do a very quick take on the Colorado uh, Department of Transportation, which is threatening to withhold $34 million in federal relief funding from RTD. CDOT says that in order to receive the money, RTD will need to restore the commuter lines to Boulder and Longmont. Omar,
4: we've heard about a lot about the issues, the, the
0: service not getting
4: to the north. Your quick take. I just think they need to sit down at the table and improve transportation overall. People have been complaining, we've got to get this fixed. Let's not keep going back and forth.
0: Patty, is this actually going to make some uh, action happen?
1: Well, it's going to take more than $34 million, I think, to really get all that done anyway. So, yes, I think there are going to be lawyers involved, and they'll have to go sit at the table.
0: David, you've had a comment or two about uh, mm-hmm. mass transit in the last uh, few years in CIO. What's your take on this one?
2: RTD's in a tough situation because just like the Jefferson County School District, they're having trouble hiring enough drivers. So, in a way, it's not their fault but even if that's true, then, at least, then, then take away the monopoly uh, that prevents some other provider from being able to, to come in there.
0: Eric, you think there's more action to come on this one?
3: I think there are two subtexts here, real quick. One is that Jared Polis has never had much affinity for RTD. Number two is that RTD has seemingly had never had a whole lot of affinity for the northern suburbs, and it's the interplay of those factors.
0: And ironically, the place that's growing the most, they have their own congressional district. You wonder if their own congressperson will be able to make something happen, uh, at least in 2023. Let's get to our very, very part of the show, Disgrace of the Week. And as always, Ms. Cajun, please start us off.
1: Well, I have high hopes the disgrace of the day will not be Denver International Airport, now run by Phil Washington, who used to be in charge of RTD, because I'm trying to fly out of there today. So... The, everything I've seen has been horrifying. And if you can't get shuttle drivers when you're a former head of a bus line running d- running <laughs> an airport, it's a little worrisome.
2: David? The legalization of shoplifting that's taken place... Uh, all over the country. Uh, for example, in San Francisco, five Walgreens in poor neighborhoods have had to close uh, because they're losing so much to theft. And some people say, well, shoplifting is a nonviolent crime, which is true if you've got a teenager who's sneaking some earbuds into his pocket and walking out of the store. But not when you get three burly guys who walk in and uh, carry off hundreds of dollars of goods. And the same problems going on in the Pearl Street Mall in Boulder, too. Eric, we go
3: to you. Well, Tay Anderson on the Denver School Board is probably the gift that keeps on giving around this table. This week, uh, two things. Tay announced a plan to now have Denver School Board members paid. That's a plan that's worthy of discussion. It would obviously only take effect after board members are elected or reelected, but this is not the time for it. The district has already put out six-digit money to investigate sexual harassment uh, and other assorted claims against Tay, wrong timing, bad idea, and now it has come out just in today's news that there is a school board candidate, Scott Esserman, who's running for the at-large seat, who has been paying Tay Anderson through some operation, some firm that Tay incorporated after the payment started. It's a very weird, unprecedented thing to have a candidate paying a current sitting school board member. Omar, we go to you.
4: Well, driving up here I saw a bunch of tents,
3: and I think about this initiative
4: like 303 and other initiatives that I feel that criminalize the unhoused. Let's get them affordable and attainable housing so that they don't have to live in those tents.
0: Time to see something nice about somebody, always the hardest part of the show. Patty.
1: I'm going to say something nice about one of the reasons so many people came out to Colorado, which is the ski season has actually started. Keystones opened, Wolf Creek opened earlier, Arapahoe Basin. Get out in the nice, clean air and enjoy yourself.
2: you are here. David. You know, there are a lot of professional sports ball players who suffer from the delusion that they're progressive, woke, and anti-racist. Uh, but one who really is is Ennis Cantor of the Boston Celtics NBA basketball team. He's a refugee from the uh, Islamist dictatorship in Turkey, where his family's been persecuted. And this week, he accurately called the Chinese uh, communist dictator Xi, Xi Jinping a brutal dictator. And he spoke up on behalf of the Tibetan victims of racist, genocidal Chinese communist imperialism.
3: Eric? Absolutely ditto and right on to what David just said. Um, I'm, I'm glad, glad he said that. Ed Seelover, a friend of ours, uh, 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 presence around this panel frequently was just named by the Society of Professional Journalists as the Colorado Journalist of the Year. Completely deserved, completely warranted, and congratulations, Ed.
0: Here, here, couldn't second that more vociferously.
3: Omar.
4: Yes, um, there is an initiative um, by an Aurora police officer, Officer Saeed in Iman Judah to take clothes to the Afghan refugees that um, are living amongst us now to make sure they have winter clothes. I just want to thank them for the work that they're doing and looking forward to continue to support their effort.
0: It's nice to see open uh, arms to uh, uh, new members of our community from wherever they're coming from.
4: And some positive words about Aurora PD.
0: Here, here, <laughs> And I have uh, a list of shout-outs, so I'm, I'm glad uh, I want to be able to get in on the Say Something Nice. I first want to uh, say something nice to Mrs. Shirley Calhoun, a longtime fan of the show. Uh, we missed her birthday last week, and her and her fellow friends with the Nitwits are always uh, uh, tuning in, checking us out. And we're grateful for you watching, and happy birthday uh, a little bit late, Mrs. Calhoun. Uh, of course, also want to say a little happy birthday in advance the, day, the next day uh, to our friend Chad Adams on this crew. He is a a vital member of what we do uh, every week, and he's celebrating his birthday tomorrow. He's just a birthday thing. It's not just birthdays. A warm welcome uh, welcome aboard to uh, PBS 12's new President General Manager, Kristen Blessman. She joined us this week. It's great to have you aboard and with us, Kristen. And finally, a welcome aboard to our newest uh, uh, outlet, uh, KVNF, uh, Mountain Community Radio based out of Montrose, Colorado. We are uh, on their program Every Monday at 6 o'clock We're very excited to be a part of that uh, And we've, we've had a presence In the Roaring Fork Valley We have had a presence now uh, in, Throughout the southern part of the western slope It's great to have all of those listeners uh, And viewers joining us So thank you for being a part of The Colorado Inside Out Network And that is indeed all the time we have For these shout outs And for Colorado Inside Out this week For everybody here at PBS 12 I'm Dominic Dazudi. Thank you so much for watching Good night Oh, uh-huh.